Tonight, we welcome the opinion editor of the Jewish Forward. And I don't know about you, but when I think opinion editor of the Jewish Forward, that venerated Jewish newspaper dating back to 1897, I cannot help but conjure up an image of a very old Jewish man with a pencil tucked behind his ear, ink smudges on his fingers, and fingers that wag at all of us, telling us we should not give Hitler a posthumous victory. If you could just hold that image in your mind for a moment, I am thrilled to introduce you all to Laura Atkins, the current opinion editor of The Forward. Laura's essays have appeared not only in The Forward, but also in such places as the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Los Angeles Review of Books. Laura's work involves bringing diverse voices into our conversation. And tonight we are so excited to hear her own voice sharing her wisdom with us on confronting anti-Semitism. We know that anti-Semitic acts continue to rise. The White House held a forum on anti-Semitism just two days ago. We look to journalists like Laura to help guide us in understanding the data and approaching the topic with our facts in order. Laura, it is an honor to welcome you and to learn from you this Shabbat. Thank you so much, Rabbi Singer. Can you all hear me okay? Great. And thank you all for having me. I was in New York this morning, so it's nice to be on the more mountainous coast. And this is actually my first time praying in a reform synagogue. Um, I grew up very unaffiliated, but I spent the first uh, 10 years of my adult life as an Orthodox Jew in that community, which basically means I gave myself religious trauma. Um, it's okay to laugh. So most of my work involves data, as Rabbi Singer mentioned, and really getting into the nitty-gritty of what the threats against us are. And while it's very interesting to delve into that, it doesn't really leave us with a clear path forward in our own lives. So tonight I'm going to talk not about the threats against us, really, but ways that we can respond in a way that brings more meaning into our own lives and perhaps gives us strength even when s things seem grim. As Rabbi Singer mentioned, the statistics are, are not positive. Um, almost every day in New York City there's another anti-Semitic incident and there have been dozens of assaults, particularly of visibly Orthodox Jews in the past several years. And these hate crimes are, are on the rise and they come from pretty much every corner of the ideological spectrum. Statistically, American Jews are a thriving diaspora community. But our position in this country, particularly as the foundations of our very democracy are tested, can feel increasingly tenuous. I think this week's Parsha reminds us that whether we view our situation as tenuous or blessed, we are correct. We see so many polar opposites within the stories of this week. Yaakov at once is filled with wealth 
and possessions, and also unsure if his brother is going to kiss him or kill him when he sees him. An angel of God wrestles with him to the extent that he suffers physically and his very being is changed and his name is changed. His family is accepted enough that they fall in love with his daughter, but they also take her against her will, launching a series of bloody battles. It's hard to see the blessings within the stories that we read in this week's Parsha. But when I was reading over Ramban, a commentary's um, view of this week's Parsha, he mentioned something interesting, which is that Yaakov, Jacob, is one of the few people that we refer to by both the name he had before it was changed and after it was changed. His original name, Yaakov, Jacob, has this idea of wrestling with his brother in the, room, the womb, this existential struggle with his brother. Whereas Yisrael means struggling with God. So there's both this shift that happens where he goes from struggling with other people to struggling with the divine. But the fact that he's referred to by both of those names throughout the commentaries means that really he has both of those parts with him at all times. And I think we too carry that with us. Rabbi Sachs of Blessed Memory, I'm paraphrasing, but basically said that Judaism was the radical idea that we are partners in creation with God, not just actors subjected to divine will. So a lot of anti-Semitism and a lot of the Jewish story is out of our control. And it's hard to tell whether we are in a peak or in a valley, whether we are heading towards better things or a darker future. But in all of this, our response matters. And I'm going to offer four suggestions for general categories of things that we can do when we feel like we're in those dark times. To paraphrase my favorite poet, Rumi, if you want to be clever, try to change the world. But if you want to be wise, try to change yourself. I think it's important not just to, to try to fight back against hate, but to really sit with ourselves and try to discover what it is about our own Judaism that we personally feel makes it meaningful and worth defending. This is something I personally have struggled with leaving the Orthodox world. It's very easy when you have incredibly clear and strict boundaries, lists of things to do and not do, to feel like you have it all figured out. And it's a lot harder to live in this middle space of choosing the things that are meaningful and recognizing both our own and others' humanity. And I'm honestly still trying to figure it out. But I think leaning into the things that really resonate with us is the first step. My boss, Jody Rudoran, our editor-in-chief, actually has a standing date at our lo her local soup kitchen with her children um, that is a non-negotiable part of her schedule. If volunteering with the needy is something that feels resonant, lean into that. If it's learning Torah, speaking Hebrew, braiding challah, commit to regularly doing so. And even just being here is not a given. Strong and vibrant Jewish institutions are not a given. Being here matters. And what you do after when you go home matters. Raising proud Jews and raising up our own heads high with our beliefs is important. 
So as we get to know ourselves, I think the second step is moving beyond and getting to know other Jews. A year or so ago, I would not be speaking into a microphone on Shabbat or comfortable in a, a setting where men and women are sitting together praying. And I think one of the great tragedies of modern Jewish life is that most Orthodox Jews and non-Orthodox Jews live in pretty separate worlds religiously. And I think crossing those divides is really difficult, but really important, especially as the threats against both communities are so intertwined. And I'll be honest, there are a lot of assumptions that both groups have about one another, and getting out of the comfort zone is very difficult. But I think the boundaries we place upon ourselves with our own stereotypes of the other are not doing any of us any good. Once we have delved into ourselves and our, our fellow Jews we're not in touch with as much as we should be, I think getting to know our own communities is also very important. There's a lot of jockeying online and in the forwards opinion pages about whether anti-Semitism is more a problem on the left or the right or in certain identitarian communities, but the truth is it's the world's oldest hatred and it emanates from all corners. And most of it is not ideological, but local. And that makes it very difficult to fight. But it also makes it very important that we are in and of the communities in which we're comfortable in. It's not actually so brave to call out anti-Semitism across the aisle when it's something said by your political enemies. But it is brave and hard and vital to call it out in our own communities and circles, whether that's a political community or a local community. I won't pretend it's easy, but it's absolutely vital. And finally, I think getting to know other communities will require strange bedfellows sometimes, and it may even require letting go of our ego and some of our most cherished values when we enter into these shared spaces. But it's important to be with the people that are in physical proximity with us, with whom we have the power to jointly transform our societies. There's a line that we say at the end of the Havdalah prayer, at the end of Shabbat, that it's, it's la Yehudim haita ora v'simcha, the Jews had light and happiness. And we say it in this very joyous, you know, bittersweet, we have a candle, we have wine, we have spices, we're gently saying goodbye to Shabbat. But the first time this line appears is actually in Megillat Esther, the book of Esther, um, right after a narrowly averted genocide of the Jews, when Mordechai is being paraded around town. And they say, look how amazing and beautiful this light is. I think particularly in the American Jewish community, we prioritize being a light onto the nations, but we forget that light shines brightest in a dark place and requires being in a place where others can actually see it. So this Shabbat, I invite us all to stretch our comfort zones, both within ourselves and with those around us. And thank you again so much for having me in your community. It's truly already been a blessing. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.